Iron Sights After Dark. Radio check. Copy. Loud and clear. Welcome to Iron Sights. This podcast candidly seeks to create opportunities and deliver impact by sharing the experiences and wisdom of successful entrepreneurs and thought leaders who unapologetically aim to win in health, fitness, business, and life. I'm your host, Scott Howell. Welcome to Old School Meets New School. Tradition meets innovation, and imperfection meets excellence. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to part two of two of the Triple Feed episode. In part one, JP and I dug into the very different backgrounds and the origin stories of Brian, Luis, and Jerry. And as we sat and recorded on the BJJ mats in Las Vegas there, the guys articulated and laughed about their stories of struggle, disappointment, and ultimately their achievements. For JP and I, it validated a few things we imagined about these guys, but we were both caught off guard with some of the reality that they brought to the table. Now, in this second episode, the $64 million question finally gets answered. What is Triple Feed and where is it going as a company? So beyond that, we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of firearms instruction, how to bring civilians and war heroes together in our community, the limitations of civilian firearm training, and how to seek out the best instructors, the value of marketing, and how to make money with firearms media, and what you can expect to see on YouTube and social from our trip and our time spent training and hanging out together. Now, I'm truly grateful for this band of brothers and the value, the respect, and the graciousness they provided JP and I while we were out there. I hope you enjoy this app as much as we enjoyed putting it together. So if you're curious how this group of individual instructors eventually connected to team up and become Triple Feed, here it is. So I, I run the training program for the EP team. I'm the training coordinator and firearms instructor for our EP team. So we do a lot of local training for us. And our, our client is just very, he's very okay with us training, uh, both medical tactics, small team unit stuff, firearm centric, a lot of soft skills too, mm-hmm. how to de- de-escalate situations. Like we do it all. We do driving, we do it all. And we, I, I used to send my team to certain courses and whatnot. And I went to a course and I met him and then I met him and that's how we kind of gotcha. met. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm technically, I am an instructor. He's an instructor and he's an instructor. So we've always had the passion to teach. And then one day we go, well, why don't we just offer people instruction too? Like it's, we kind of know what we're doing. So that, that's kind of where it's kind of morphing. Yep. Starting and, to evolve. And, and originally, I know he said that, that Triple Feed is first and foremost a media production company. Mm-hmm. We are at, at its core root. That's what we initially said we were going to do. Mm-hmm. But for the first year, we didn't do that really. Like he was creating amazing content, but we never were trying to like actively go after companies. It was like, oh, let's make hats and t-shirts like every other Brovet company. And you're making a little bit of money doing it? Very yeah. Marginal. Okay. Enough to keep the boat floating, but... Then this guy goes, no, dude, like 2022, we have to focus on what we, our foundation was. Mm -hmm. And this guy's a genius when it comes to the camera. And like the reason why I kind of know how to shoot photos, because I do a little bit of photography too, is because of him. He's the one that that for years he would slap me across the face. What are you doing with your settings? They're crappy. They're shitty. And he would teach me how to do it. Now we start to open the discussion up a little bit. We start by talking about the size, strength, and the contributions 
of the West Coast, more specifically, the California Second Amendment community. And then we move into talking about a recent event that happened last November called California Range Weekend, which was really the first instructional event that Triple Feed made an appearance at. And what they did there was low light pistol training. Now, as we talked a little bit about this, we got into a few things. We talk about the logistical limitations around this type of training, as well as the rarely talked about nuances this training can include. So we have a lot of contacts in the industry, both in the firearms industry, the instructional industry. Um, believe it or not, California is like huge with firearms. It's chock full of people. It's ginormous. It's just we're hidden. It's quiet. It's quiet for obvious reasons. Hidden in plain sight because it's, it's strictest laws, but the most... Two-way product sales, products, here, sales companies. I, I don't understand it. Uh, it's, it's. I mean, out of control might be one way to explain it. I just don't think the general public has any fucking clue exactly how big it is, and the noise that when the noise gets created on the anti-two-way side of things and anything that comes along with that, all that does is encourages that community to just get stronger, do more things, come together at a at a higher level. I think it. it it creates a little bit of tension in the in the in the in the community. We can talk about that, but it's massive here in California, it's and there's a huge. lot of trash talk like across the airwaves, you know, from like other states. Well, I should just move out of that fucking state, you know. Like you're not a patriot if you stay there. Just let it all fall off into the ocean. I think that's one of the most ignorant things I could I, I read or I see in, in social media. People don't have any clue. So this gentleman by the name of Tony, he's the one that put on the California Range Week. Um, thank you, Tony. I really appreciate it. So he's he's one of the managers, uh, one of the high, he's a manager there, right? At, at, at the Burrow. At, at Burrow, yeah, mm-hmm. Burrow Canyon. Anyway, he invited us. He'd been a friend of mine for a long time now. We've we had trained together for years. Um, we had a lot of the same common backgrounds, um, a lot of the same stuff that we like. And he goes, Hey, um, I know you're an instructor and I know the guys at triple feet are instructors too, but you guys have never actually like put on a course. Mm. Jerry teaches, Luis teaches, B-Dub teaches, but you guys have never come together as triple feed and taught. Like, would you guys be interested in doing that? I go, is there is there a market for that for us? Like for triple feed? Is there really a market? And B dub had asked us, like, people want to train with us. And like they want to train with you by yourself. They want to train with you. They want to train with me. But maybe if we combine our forces together, we're like Captain Planet or something. I don't know. And we said, Okay, sure. Well, what do you want us to teach? What do you want to teach? I go, I love low light and I don't see it trained that often. Mm. It's like one of the less trained things is low light and specifically handheld flashlights. And that's something that I, as an EP agent, use all the time. That these guys use as EP agents all the time because we can't go around flashing with your, you know, your weapon metal light. We'll get into that some other time. Well, well, let's be honest. Bad shit happens at night. Yeah. And the ability to train at night, like live train, live fire with your weapon loads, and unless you have access to a private range, right? And particularly in a place like California, or you have access to say like El Burro because somebody's running some kind of a course out there, it's it's, it's tough to do. Not that you can't practice you know, dry fire or whatever, but it isn't the same. And you're not getting instruction on it because instructors don't necessarily have access to facilities where they can coach or teach it. So uh, again, it's, it's undertrained, right? And I think it's misunderstood. At least I was very misunderstood on a lot of the technique and a lot of 
a lot of some of the fundamentals so, that go into so it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack on what you said, and it's not to correct you, but I am gonna correct you. Flashlight or low light is not meant for just the dark. I mean, not meant for just nighttime. It's meant for the dark. So you could, and I'll I'll give you an example. Um, and this is like one of those Black Hawk down movie scenes where he goes, I'm not going to take my nods. We're only going to be out there for a little bit. I'm not going to, I don't need my back plates. I'm not running backwards. One of the darkest places I've ever been to was in a warehouse in South Central during my daytime shift. Mm -hmm. I walk in, all the lights are off. And a lot of people are like, well, I'm only going to carry a flashlight during nighttime. When I go out at nighttime, I'm like, what if the lights go out? What if you have to enter a room that's dark? What if you like, how are you going to bring out your phone? I feel you, Jerry. And while it is dark outside right now, I will tell you, like, my flashlight's on me right now. Yeah. So it's, yeah, so I get, I feel you. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, we're, we're kind of sidetracking here. But yeah, we got offered. Uh, we said, we came together. We said, yeah, let's teach a low light course. We're very proficient at, at that specific subject. And there was a need for it. And people said, yeah, like, we'll sign up for it. And that's that's how we came to fruition, I guess. I literally was looking for a course that does handheld lights because nobody does that. And then I asked you and you were like, handheld. I was like, dude, fuck yeah. That's like exactly what no. I wanted. I don't see anybody in the area. It, it, it does happen, but it's it's like a niche thing. Mm -hmm. It's very rare that you see just like, oh, it has to be a handheld flashlight course. Usually it's like you use whatever light you want. You use your weapon mount light. You use your handheld light. Well, the, the like the technology, the innovation and the products out there, I think, is probably driving people like, oh, well, I have a light. It's on the end of my pistol. It's on the end of my rifle. So I, I have a light. Not understanding because they haven't trained. Like they, they don't they haven't trained in an environment where they've had to manipulate that thing or actually use it and they don't understand both the advantages and the limitations or what it's actually there to be doing in the first place. And I don't know if we need to get into all that. You should go take a low light, no light course from triple feed to to understand all this stuff. But the bottom line is I think it's misunderstood. Um, people just aren't aware. And again, a lot of that awareness obviously comes in training. And if there's not these trainings being offered or people don't know, then they're not going to know. You don't know what you don't know. It's unconscious incompetence, right? Agreed. So. Yeah, the whole conducting low light or no light training is kind of synonymous with long range. Like the logistics of how do you do it? Where do you, where do you find you a 500 meter range? Right. <laughs> where do you find a thousand meter range? Where do you find a range that's going to let you train in the middle of the night? Right. Or where do you find an indoor range that's going to allow you to go in there and shut the lights off? Yeah. Right. Like that is like so rare. So rare. rare. Here's where JP gets into his experience with the triple feed guys at California Range Weekend for that low light pistol training course. He gets into some of the things that both JP and I cover on some of our other episodes about instruction and the awareness of the instructors, but also the detail or the level of detail they go through to make sure that those within that class are getting what they need based on their abilities, and their limitations. So have a listen to some of the things that JP calls out here. For one, right away, uh, I went with a big group at CRW. I was the only person who was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to the triple feed course. First of all, I told you I was going to go because I wanted to hang out. But then when you told me what it was, I was like, I actually need that. Everybody else was like, dude, I'm going to test out nods. First of all, who the fuck is using nods? We're all civilians. And then they ended up telling me that they didn't get taught shit. They just got the experience. And I'm just like, okay, I got taught so much shit. Six hours, super dense. I've never had that experience with like many courses. Usually it's like uh, you follow like the the slowest person in the class or the lowest performer. And I think we had this conversation. Yeah. And that ends up like throttling the whole class. So half the time I'm underwhelmed. And you guys, the three of you work together so well. 
that it's like even when there is somebody kind of falling behind you guys pick it up quickly because there's there's three eyes and you guys are super detailed you know what i mean so like it's kind of a surprise to me and i think i've told you this earlier um brian that you guys don't do this more often considering with just my few years of experience like you guys clearly put on like a really well-run class and then like I guess if you could make it cool to want to do low light and handheld pistol, I think it's way more important than like for your average person or even if you are LE or whatever, like handheld pistols or weapon lights and shit like that. And the fact that I know from experience, I'm like always chasing low light courses and I can never find them. Now, after being a coach for over 25 years, granted, I'm not a firearms instructor. I'm just a fitness guy. But I have been doing this a long time, and I will tell you, good coaches, no good coaches. So here's a section of this podcast where we start to open up things a little bit about coaching and getting inside the right mindset as a coach of what you're teaching, as well as getting in the right mindset as a participant and what you might be taking or what you should be getting taught. So here's a little section on what's training versus what's an experience. Also, why training the high frequency scenarios versus the low frequency scenarios is so important and learning to do the common things uncommonly well. High frequency things and low frequency things, right? Like a lot of people want to do the low frequency style training. Like, oh, I want to do sexy, right? It's sexy. And it's like, I want to repel upside down from, you know, a, a, a A10 while I'm at what you can't. I know. So we we could have repelled upside down, but Luis forgot the rope. Yeah, he He literally said that too. We were touring through this this massive warehouse, so we could actually repel from here, and we would have done that today. But he's like, but I I forgot my fucking gear. (laughs) Here's the other thing: like the difference between what's training and what's an experience, right? What are you actually Mm -hmm. training? And but what are you what are you actually getting out of the time that you're there? Is it really training or is it an experience? And I, yeah, it's like are you, you going to that speedway things? here in Vegas to like race for an hour, or like are they teaching you how to drive? Or are you being entertained or is it entertaining? You know, yeah. it's like yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to kind of throw it, that out as between like low frequency occurrence things and why would you train those versus high frequency things? And again, fifty percent of the day is in the night and then even more if you're in a dark room so it's kind of important to know your lights and know how to use them and manipulate them and etc cetera, etc cetera. but hey, I'm, de- I'm beating a dead horse anyway no, no i don't think you are actually jerry i think i think you, there's more credit to be given to that statement in that when people are choosing training programs whether it's in fitness whether it's in firearms whatever it happens to be they should be thinking through these things like what am i actually what is my intention here what do I intend to get out of this? Because if I just want an experience, well, then fuck, sign up for the nods course, right? Throw that shit on there and have a great time, you know, if that's what you want. But if you want to learn some practical knowledge for some high-frequency potential situations, then that's going to be a different a different deal. Yeah. Now, there's also a little sexier little sizzle to the low light, no light, because we just talked about that. It's not as accessible. So one of the things that that ended up happening there was – the experience that that these guys got i was having another i was on another range doing some other stuff the guys that went to the low low light or the your 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 course they came back and they would not shut up about all the things that they learned and to jerry's point it's how it was organized so you just started with a really critical uh um i think knowledge bomb and that is if i'm in this if i'm 
if I'm playing or I'm exploring in this genre, right? What is it that I need to learn now or what's important for me right now? Um, and again, so thinking about it, like, well, what's high frequency versus what's low frequency? So if I'm trying to train to get better, I need to probably have good fundamentals, right? In the higher frequency type situations. If I'm thinking about my preparedness as an individual and the things that I could run into on a daily basis, that's the shit I want to be really good at. I don't want to be thinking about it. I want it to be automatic, right? So I, again, high frequency, that's the stuff I should, and, and if I have the opportunity maybe to get into one of these experiences, I'll go, I'll go do that if, if I think that, but I, I don't think that that's real practical for me. I don't right now. Do I want to run nods? Do I want to run through CQB with nods? Hell yeah. I want to try that, but I'm not going to fucking sprint before I walk. So high frequency versus low frequency doing the common stuff really, really, really well. The fundamentals really, really, really well, which is generally the higher frequency stuff. Yeah. I think I was telling you this earlier. There's people who love building cars and then there's people who like racing cars, right? The thing with guns though versus like cars is even if you enjoy night vision and shit like that, like you can fuck somebody up with a gun or yourself. So it's a little bit different. Like training is, it's really, really important rather than if you build like a really cool like Ferrari or some shit like that and you don't know how to drive it. Like there's a good chance that whatever, you just don't end up driving it, but you like it and you enjoy it. But with gun shit, if you buy all this shit and then go put yourself in an environment around other people and then you don't train well, then that's like a liability, right? So it's a little bit different in this community. Consequences versus no consequences. Yeah. Yeah. So while we were out in Las Vegas, we had this really cool opportunity to do some close quarters battle training in this warehouse that had a shoot house put together in it that the triple feed guys had access to. Uh, So we knew we were going to be doing a little bit of this, but we didn't really know the extent or how cool it was going to be or how much instruction we were going to actually get. So we had this awesome sort of platform to be asking a lot of questions from for the better part of a whole day on the Saturday we were there. We talk a little bit about kind of our experience, not necessarily the moving and shooting stuff, because that was cool, especially using the UTMs but more about how they approached teaching us two civilian guys who really had very little experience with any of this and made it really practical for us based on the things that we might face or we might see as civilians, maybe in our own homes or own places of business. But we talk about a few more things and I think the guys did a really good job here sort of opening up. Listen to Brian and listen to Jerry talk a little bit about this. So let's go to the CQB today. How long were we working on that stuff for? Five hours? And you were basically cramming in like six months worth of yeah. knowledge oh, yeah. into five hours, right? And I, yeah. that's always going to be the challenge for the instructor. Like, how do I provide the most amount of value for a for a participant in this class, right, or mm-hmm. in this this particular situation? And do a couple of things. First, you were trained a very specific way. This is another conversation I had with one of you today. I can't remember which one it was. You were trained a very specific way by the U.S. military or maybe in Jerry's case, law enforcement or in EP school or whatever else. And then you got into the real world, right? And then there was the, probably there was somebody in that real world that put their arm around your shoulder and they go, I know what they just fucking taught you for the the last six months. Forget all of that shit. We're going to show you how it really actually happens once we're out here. So then you go through years and years and years of actually running through the stuff, Brian, like again, the CQB with, you know, 
doing the the job that you do mm. and now you're trying to take what you've learned right from the fundamentals perspective and what the curriculum was then then put together all of the life experience and all the practical experience you have take the best pieces pull that out what are the highest frequency right situations that we really should be probably training versus all this low frequency shit you can be talked about on the side after we do this and then to Luis's point like how do we do the common stuff like up within those high frequency um, uh, situations really well. So how do I now break all that and condense all that, whether it's low light, no light, right? CQB, what repelling upside down from the ceiling, how do we get all of that into a course and feel like we're giving the participant what they really want, right? And feel like they need, but also being really realistic about what they can retain. I was drinking from a fire hose today. I'll have to sit back and really process this shit to, to understand. But what we did get was a high level of high level of knowledge. It was our very organized, right? And it was articulate. I was being told I was, it was a tell show do. Here's what this stuff is, right? I'm going to show you what this is. And then there's let's go out and do it. But we're going to start by walking through, right? We're gonna walk through with finger guns, right? We're gonna then you're gonna see us kind of move through it. And it was started kind of basic and it got built out. And so I was drinking through a fire hose only because I'd never seen any of it before, right? And that was my level coming in to that particular situation, right? Versus somebody else that maybe has a higher level and being able to adjust to that, like mm-hmm. as an instructor, which is a whole nother level a, a skill set. What I see and what JP and I have talked about quite frequently is the challenge we see instructors having with here's the curriculum that I want to teach, but here's the audience that's in front of me. And there's a complete disconnect between the two. Mm-hmm. And, um, so again, I guess what I was, what I was getting back to is, is how do you create like a course where you can, can you want to go through all this knowledge and condense it all? How do you do that? Well, where does it start for you guys in terms of the mapping out process? So I'll tell you my personal uh, way to do it. And it's, this stems from being an instructor with my team in the military way back in the day uh, in different facets. So so Jerry's been staying at my place. Um, and then Luis is obviously in his home because Luis and I both live here. So Jerry and I are like 30, 35, 40 minutes away from Luis. So anyway, my point is saying that Jerry and I have been driving together every day to and from. And Luis meets us there. Um, so we, t- we, we actually talked about this quite a bit in terms of like, all right, CQP days. It's tomorrow. Like. Well, what do you got beat up? And I'm like, bro, six months. Where do we into start? One, into one yeah. six hour block or whatever years into one, you know, six, six hour block. So uh, my process is back to what you were saying about how do I make it applicable? So I take the entirety of CQB and I immediately throw out everything that's not going to be applicable to you guys. That's specific to military. Right. So I took out everything about uh, night vision. Right. Even if you had night, if you had night vision, I would maybe put some stuff if we were doing it at night, obviously. Sure. But we weren't doing it night vision. So immediately throughout night vision, and I just started eliminating stuff that is super specific to military. And then I took all the rest of it and I said, okay, what are the core principles of CQB that we that I can that I have to say, right? Uh, and then everything else, I just racked and stacked it in priority. And I told Jerry, I'm like, if you teach somebody a thousand things and they retain a hundred. Would that not mean if you taught them 5,000 things, they would retain 500? Logically speaking, that should okay. be roughly accurate. Right. So again, so I just racked and stacked everything. And then I had my list. And I'm like, no fucking way I'm getting through that in six hours. Right. But I just fire hosed it. And I, I hope you guys will retain more than if we stopped after two. 
hours. I hear you. Make sense? Yeah. So that's my personal process. I, I the applicability, eliminate everything I know, and then all the what ifs. I rack and stack them priority to most priority, least priority, and then run with it. it so interesting because you guys train teams. You guys train people that are have had way more experience than I've had, or maybe you know JP has had. Is that hard for you to do? Like the process I, I just explained. Yeah, like break it down like that and go. Uh-huh. Look, should we even be doing this with these guys? Like. We have to we have to chop and and dice and slice and dice it so much like, sh- or should we even be doing this or should we just like no we're not even going to do this with these. I guess guys. depends on the scenario, but but with, with you guys and what we'd already talked about prior and I already knew what you guys wanted to get out of it. It wasn't it wasn't t- terribly difficult. And the way I I break it down with me specifically, if I'm teaching a group of EP agents or law enforcement or whatnot, I we and this is the three of us we teach everything in blocks. So it's not like, oh, we have to do this in order to get to that. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes I can go from block one to block six without having to teach anything in between. But some of these things do segue to others, and we have to teach A in order to teach B. Um, so I do exactly the same thing. I go down a checklist, and I go, okay, these are the fundamental things that I have to teach. If I don't teach these things, I can't teach anything else. There's no way I'm going to be able to teach this without teaching this. Um, so that, that's how I break it down for me. And then I read the crowd. I go, okay, what's applicable to them? Mm-hmm. What's not, uh, I'm pretty much regurgitating everything that he said. And then at the end of the day, I go, what's, how am I, I'm looking at them and I'm reading your body language. I go, are they retaining this? Are they asking a lot of questions? Do I see confused faces? Are they like mm-hmm. fatigued? So you start reading the crowd, you start reading the crowd. So Back to what we were talking about yesterday. Not one course that we ever teach is ever the same. Mm-hmm. There might be. You know, fundamental handgun, and there is a curriculum written out with blocks, but we are never, ever, ever going to teach the exact same thing. Meaning, it just depends on again the crowd sitting in, inside because you might, or you're, you're sitting in front of because you might be able to throttle it up, might be able to throttle it back, you might be able to spend a little less time here because you knowingly you have to spend a little bit more time there. So, I guess what I was trying to drag out of you guys, which you just did a really good job articulating for me as a coach who's been a coach for over 25 years, is the skill in coaching. Because you can have all the fucking skill in the world at going through those rooms with your rifle, mm-hmm. right, and clearing those things out as a team. That doesn't mean you can teach the shit, mm-hmm. right? So what you did was you deconstructed it, right, and put it back together for the people that were sitting in front of you while also reading what was happening in front of you the entire time while checking for understanding. So as we start to get a little deeper into this training conversation, we start to go down the path of something that JP and I tend to bring up quite a bit on our own podcasts or solo podcasts. And that would be this, the limitations that exist for civilians in terms of gaining access to certain types of training. Now, we've just talked a little bit about the CQB training. You're going to hear about it a little bit more here. And we talk about the rationale behind it, but we also talk about the division that exists within our community, particularly in leo and military and why they're keeping everything so tight to the chest and maybe not wanting to share with those that are in the civilian community so you're going to hear us kind of go through a few things here and uh, you form your own opinion on how you feel about it but i think you're going to be pretty pretty it's going to be pretty obvious where our opinions lie what we find is that getting this kind of instruction is fucking impossible because the for the civilian Right. Unless you've gone through the experience that you guys have had going to EP school, or going to, you know, going to special forces, going into to law enforcement and working on special teams and getting access to this training. 
yes, there's the accessibility piece like low light, no light because of, you know, having access to a nighttime range and things like that. But this stuff doesn't need to necessarily be, be trained that, you know, trained at night. But and these facilities do exist. Civilians just don't necessarily have access to them. And why is it important for me? Well, I can tell you why it's important for me because I live in a house. I own a business, right? My parents live in a house. Like my my brother and my you know my sister in law, they live in a house. So if I'm there or if if I'm or if I'm at home and somebody breaks into my home, I want to have the skill level you know and have it planned and have rehearsed it to go through mm-hmm. to know that I can keep my family safe. Right. And I can take care of a threat that might potentially be there. And again, there could be people listening or watching on that sounds fucking ridiculous. Just call 911. You know, somebody else will come on. See, this is the problem, Scott. You know, you guys, you just want to be war fighters. No, I don't. I just want to be the protector of my family. That's in my fucking DNA. I can't help it. I want to have it, not need it. That's why I want it. And when I do, I want to be able to do the uncommon shit or the common shit uncommonly well. Right. Right. So, how? I mean, so I think the question again is, is why are, why in the industry are people instructors having such a tough time? Cause this is polarization of like these civilians, we don't need to teach them that shit. Like I'm not going to give them access to my classes. I'm not going to give them access to my courses or my facilities. That's another reason why I'm like so cool with you guys. Cause I don't know why it is that you guys are the only people who haven't like shut me down as a civilian. That's like, I want to learn CQB. What is it that you guys don't have a problem with? Like, why is it that you guys don't have a problem with it? And so I mean, it's odd to me. I think I think it's and you just said it two seconds ago. I think it's the dynamic. Mm-hmm. It's we, we're three three walks of life that all overlap in a bunch of different areas, and we just all get it. Now that being said, I'm going to admit something that I probably should admit. When I was active duty, fuck no, would I ever teach us right. at CQB. That was my mindset then, right? Right, Because like, and a devil's advocate to what you're saying, ego, yep, absolutely. I'm sure there's guys out there that have too big of ego to teach civilians, but it could be that, and again, devil's advocate, I no longer have this mindset, but because there are CQB companies out there right now, solely ran by military and solely will only, they're all closed. There's no open enroll. It's right. all military law enforcement. They might be doing it because they're like, Hey, I'm this career field. I'm only teaching my career. Field. Yeah, I get that. And, it's and America. Do whatever the fuck you want. I don't have a good answer for that. Um, and you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Like I see why I thought that at the time when I was active duty. I mean, running a gun in deployment, deployment, deployment. Like that was where I was. I was in the zone. I didn't know civilians, and <laughs> I, you know, and it's it, a good comparison is going from active duty to guard. So you know, ten years active duty, seven combat deployments. I go to the guard guard team. And then two months later, after being on the guard team, I show up to some other active duty team and no one knows me. And they're fucking shitting on me like I'm some bum guard guy that has no experience. I'm like, bitch, yeah. like, fucking, <laughs> I have more deployments than all you guys combined. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was my mentality then. Hindsight's 2020. I don't have that anymore. I I can't speak for anyone else other than that's that's my personal experience in that that specific question. Yeah. So like so there's like a, there is a polarization and you just identified, you know, kind of your mindset at the time. How do, how do we create like an acceptance of this, right? So looking at it from both sides here, right? And because you just kind of stood on that platform for a second and said, hey, I was that guy um, and now you're not. And we're on the other side of it because we know a lot of people, right? Again, California is pretty quiet, but there are a lot of people that are just in that state, just 
in our little community that would want more of this. How do we bring the community together? Like if you just want to teach, you know, just these special units, you know, whatever here, over here on this end, fine, go ahead and do that. But how do we bring those that might be a little bit more willing into it and make it okay and make it acceptable? What is the, or make it, no, here's the, here's the term. How do we normalize it? Right. Make it, make a common practice, essentially, potentially like my old self's mentality. I think what's going to try to curb that and correct that, like for me personally, it just happened, but getting out and being that guard guy was, was the reason there, but it's just other people seeing it. Right. So like, I mean, this weekend is going to be, we have mm-hmm. media for freaking days. There's right? going to be so much good stuff. Yeah. Like the, just the more we do it and the more we do these collabs, right? Yep. Like two way guys from California come to hang out with two way guys, you know, yep. farm centric guys in, in Vegas. And we just do shit. Like we need to keep doing that. And I, I, I'm sure you guys had the same conversation in the car. I was telling Jerry, I'm like, Dude, this is out of control, badass. What right. we're doing this weekend? Create value, right? <laughs> create it's, it's creating value for the community at large, mm. right? It helps you as a business, right? It helps helps the participants in terms of skill level and skill acquisition. Um, again, mindset or just awareness to what it is that's out there, how to think differently. Um, but there's there's I think this huge other value exchange of normalizing it and showing other people that it's cool, that this it's okay to do this mm-hmm. and how to yeah. do it right. Because the cream ends up rising to the top every time on this stuff. There will be, let's be honest, this conversation we were having earlier, it's a very low barrier of entry to be a firearms instructor. I've related this to the fitness industry and becoming a personal trainer. Go to fucking weekend certification, come out, you get a piece of paper. It says you're a professional. It, a piece of paper means nothing. You have no clients, right? But you can get on Instagram with your shirt off, right? And show your abs and all of a sudden you're a qualified expert. 40,000 followers and then people start buying shit. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm, you know, I've said this and I'll keep this one brief, but I think where this, where the firearms industry, and let's just say the, this community, and I think it's much broader than just firearms. I agree. I, agree. I don't want to make it about firearms. It just happens to be part yeah. of it um, and a big part of it. Let's Let's be honest. But I, I liken it to the to the fitness industry and where the fitness industry was ten years ago, like with social media. It's just fucking garbage everywhere. And guys like us were pissed about it. Like we're just like, Are you fucking serious. We work really hard to be professionals in this industry. And you guys are making you again we're fighting the battle that you're creating for us, which is you're making you're illegitimizing what it is that we're trying so hard to legitimize. And so we're seeing a lot of that in social media right now cool sizzly shooting videos, right? And then followers go up and now this guy's an expert and now some gear company's throwing shit at this guy, right? Who, who's got followers to mooch off his followers. And now, oh, well, now I see that as a civilian. The guy's got followers, got cool shoot, shooting videos and people are giving him fucking equipment, right? He must be good. Now this guy has a course on the weekend where he's teaching stuff. And not only is he teaching stuff, he's talking shit about the other instructor across the way this is like this shit that i've seen in the in the fitness industry for a long time i've seen a lot of that right now and so what you're talking about in terms of collaborating and coming together is i i I do think that's the answer because the whole the whole community at large is under attack right what fuck are we attacking one another on the inside of it and when people are reaching out looking for help right or looking for that stuff why are we pushing back on them So we move into practical application for improving at firearms training. 
And it starts out talking a little bit about, hey, if you're a person that gets paid to carry a gun, this is not something you clock in and clock out on. Brian will talk to you a little bit about his experience here in this next couple of minutes, but basically he'll describe it as a lifestyle versus a job. And this is something you should be doing all the time, and that's training. And then Jerry will talk a little bit about, well, what if you're not that person, but you're a civilian that's you know got a CCW? What are the things that you can do practically to continue to improve your skills for the high-frequency stuff on a regular basis, even if faced with minimal ammo or minimal access to training facilities? So we talked about like divorce rate in military communities, law enforcement, and, and things like that. And I think a lot of the reason that that divorce rate is so high is because like imagine special operations like in the height of the, of the global war on terror in the height of my active duty career like I didn't just shoot some guns at work and then go home and just fuck off and I when I got a deployment in two months like I was shooting at the range all day go home fucking dry firing in front of a fucking mirror like I'm going to war I got mm -hmm. family like I'm gonna that's my passion I'm married to that. Mm -hmm. I'm also married to my spouse at the time, but I'm married to that. And jobs that you carry, when you carry a gun and get paid to carry that gun in whatever profession, that's what you're married to. Train. It's not a part-time job. Train. If it's a full-time 40 an hour week job, it's still not that. It's a fucking lifestyle. <laughs> if you're not passionate about that and you're not doing that all the time, like like if you don't shoot pistol for two weeks and then you shoot, how R bad rusty. you suck. Rusty. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So now take that into, into a whole profession. Like the passion. You have to have the passion. I agree with that's that. That's my advice. Like that's like anyone in the two podcast. Industry. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. yeah. So, so, okay, you, you carry a gun for a living, right? You get paid to pick, carry a gun. What about for those that just have a CCW and they want to protect themselves? So my answer to that is um, be good at what your application is. So if what you do is carry a gun because you have a CCW, then get really good at that. Now, we're talking about like going out and seeking instructors and going out and train right now. And a lot of people are probably going to sit there and go, yeah, you, you probably have money to do that. You have the access to do that. You don't need a lot of ammo to get good. Mm. You just need a lot of reps. You could do, you could, with a case, I could give you so many drills with a case of 50 rounds in front of one target. And you could get better with those 50 rounds than if you went to a course that just was an NRA instructor course mm -hmm. that cost you $200 and all you did was shoot silhouettes that were this big and they didn't teach you anything. You could get better on your own just by shooting 50 rounds every every week. You're getting that much better than back to what you were talking about, the cert gun and the dry firing. It's like, what do you do? What do you do for a living? Okay, you carry a gun and you have to do X, Y, and Z and the military is paying for that? Awesome. Law enforcement, they're paying for that. Awesome. For anybody else that carries a firearm, I mean, you could easily just practice sitting in front of your couch with a cert gun or with a gun and make sure your ammo's outside, you know, not with you. And just look at the TV and go, anytime somebody with a blue shirt pops up, I'm going to draw my weapon. Mm. And you're already getting better and you're getting more reps at that. You're getting more reps at that. You're getting more reps at that. You just got to be creative about how you actually train. Just pulling triggers doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting better at what you do. Right. It's getting repetitions at like, like what your niche is or whatever it is that you is applicable to you. And as we start to wrap up the episode, JP hits the guys with a couple of really direct questions. What's the future business plans for Triple Feed? And how are they going to manage the media with the firearms instruction? How are you guys going to manage like training courses now with your media? Because I think we didn't really talk about 
like really how good the idea is that you guys have your background um, as a media team. Cause it didn't actually dawn on me until I hung out with you guys this weekend. I'm like, damn, who does the media for, I'm just throwing out random names here for EOTech, right? Um, who does that? Cause how do you know like how to film me in the right spots and then choreo- like choreograph? Exactly right. You guys. Right. But that I'd never even thought of that until like hanging out this weekend. I'm like, damn, dude, like you can't just have like somebody. Well, Eli could tell you he's learning from being around us now that it's different, <laughs> even though he's good at what he does in a lot of ways. Like, you know, photography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part, but yeah. like now he has to learn kind of a different way about going about exactly. it because there's. Would, would you ever hire a wedding photographer to do a photo shoot for a training range? No, day? absolutely Hell not. No, okay. no. Now, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not in. I'm not saying you have to be a subject matter expert, a soft operator in order to do something like that, but having some competency as to what the end user wants to see. Because if I look at ads or I look at websites, I've seen there's a H and I think it was an H and K ad from years ago from like the eighties where a photographer took a photo of a gun with the magazine and the magazine was upside. It was like backwards. Or oh, so like much of that garbage. Still so, exists, I mean, like, it, it happens. Yeah, yeah it yeah. happens. Yeah. We were walking Still down exists. shot show oh, yeah. and remember on, one of the uh, crossing the Caesars Bridge to get to the Caesars, there was that big billboard of like they were wearing all sorts of weird gear, dude, and it was just publicized. I'm like, who the hell's doing their photos? Like, yeah. this is horrible. I'm pretty sure there's also a big poster of a guy standing there, like just all badass and no magazine, no in the magazine. magazine. Well, I was like, well, well dude, dude another joke. thing too is like, so movies now, like whenever you do get the gem where you see like. Like there's a zombie movie that came out with Batista recently and he had nothing but Haley stuff on. I was like, dude, this dude's rocking Haley strategic. That's fucking sick. How cool is it to see that in movies? But then you have to know somebody knows shit like to get that movie to have like that correct gear. And so I guess like my point is, dude, that's like really cool that you guys are doing that. I'm surprised that uh, that you guys have both the training and that like that must be pretty hard to manage because I mean, like as a training course, like whether it's this weekend or the low light, like I'm going to keep saying it. You guys are like the most organized six hours out of any course I've ever taken. Likewise. You know what I mean? Like I've been to some pretty impactful courses. Like I know, you know, you, you did rogue methods with me and like, that's really impactful. But in terms of like, uh, just firearms courses and having reasons why, uh, tactics and step-by-step understanding, like you said, you read body language, you can tell like, Hey man, we, we have to actually take a step back for a second. Um, yeah, dude, you guys are like extremely good at what you do. And like, like we're talking about as fitness coaches, you can tell like if somebody understands and they're like trying to like bridge that gap versus like regurgitating just textbook stuff. Right. So like, how do you, how do you manage both? I I think the the easiest answer is because when you do a farms course, you have to give it time for people to sign up. So, So, right. So you book it in the future and then anything else that falls in line, we can kind of Make sure we don't get any, any scheduling jams. I've seen yeah. companies that are just firearm instructors. They teach tactics. They do X, Y, and Z. And they have courses every week going on. Okay. Good for them. That's not what we are, at least at its core root. We do a little bit of everything. And so if Conversely, we, I don't think we'll ever be just media company. No, right? I don't think exactly. we will either. Exactly. So so I, I, we like to have our hand in multiple cookie jars. And as long as we don't overbook ourselves and we go, hey, we're going to throw on one course this month or two courses this month on this weekend 
like he said, we'll fill everything up until that point and then go, okay, we have that course that we have to do. Let's go rehearse. Let's go do this. Let's make sure that we're good at what we do, that how we communicate and uh, let's make it happen. And then on the side, we'll sell swag, t-shirts, et cetera, but we will never be just a solely dedicated firearms instructor company. I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I love teaching, but that's not, I don't want to be a one trick pony. Based on everything we've heard and everything we know about you guys, I think it would be weird if you'd said something different, to be quite frank. I think what we're, what we're being in, in, I'm not going to say, uh, JP's being this way, but, but I definitely am. And that is, we're just being fucking selfish, man. Like we want it. We want more, like we want to see more. And I think people that we know and that we, we work with and and so forth have want to, want to get access. Um, so just know that you know whatever you guys do you know you, you have people that that do want it boys thanks a lot appreciate it perfect cheers See you tomorrow. take care cheers thank you for tuning in to this episode of iron sights if you enjoyed our conversation you can support our mission by hitting the subscribe button leaving a review and sharing the podcast with a friend i'll see you on the next episode